Welcome to a special edition of Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, in collaboration with Grow Your Biz, an international organization that supports women in business through peer-to-peer -peer advisory groups. With me today is Roxanne Tate. She is a professional engineer, a passive house designer, and a certified energy manager. She's also the founder of Tate Engineering, a project construction management firm with a focus on fighting climate change. Roxanne is part of a virtual board with Grow Your Biz, and she joins us from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me because I really appreciate the fact that you're breaking some pretty significant barriers. I mean, let's face it, women in engineering and going into a specialty of passive house and all of that sort of thing is pretty unusual. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to become an engineer. Maybe we'll start at the beginning. Sure. Um, why did I decide, decide to become an engineer? It's, it's a great question. I get asked that a lot. I bet. Um, <laughs> really, I was, I was really good at math and science. I loved it. Um, like most people in high school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew if I stuck with math and science, I could have a good career in the future. So engineering seemed like one of the best options. It was right up my alley, and uh, that's why I decided that path. Isn't it really funny, you know, that we find sometimes that we find our passion or the love uh, when we're in sort of high school, and then we have to sort of make all those really important decisions before we go to university. So That's kudos right. to you for identifying the things that you were really good at, mm -hmm. um, because I must say it, that math and science would definitely not have been at the top of my list. So, so kudos <laughs> to you for figuring that out at a young age. Now, I know that passive house is something that is certainly very, well, we won't say new, but relatively new mm -hmm. to the Canadian landscape. And for our viewing and listening audience, why don't you give us a quick overview of what is a passive house? Because I'm sure people are going uh, with that big question mark, you know, saying, well, what, what does that actually mean? Right. Um, so what's interesting about the passive house uh, standard and, and how we design and build these structures is it's, it's looking as the build, at the building as a system, as a whole. So everything is integrated. And the concepts are, um, the concepts are simple, but getting there is challenging. It requires significant level of problem solving and knowledge in the building sciences and, and uh, energy flow. And that's the premise behind it, is, is having the building sustain itself from an energy point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's taking into account all of the internal workings, all the people who are in the building, the systems that are, that are working to keep the fresh air in. And it really focuses on that envelope and reducing the demand. So there's a lot of things at play that we don't often think of and, and subtleties that can have a big impact, building orientation, how big the windows are, what side of the building that you put them on, uh, the overall insulation values. Um, and then because we build these structures so airtight, we have mm -hmm. to have really good mechanical systems to make sure we're keeping the occupants healthy. So there's a lot of focus on occupant comfort as well. So uh, you're obviously talking about commercial applications, and I know that mm -hmm. uh, for, for the most part, um, do you specialize in commercial or is this also something you can do in the residential market? Um, we as a business focus in the commercial sector. However, we do work in 
the residential sector as far as passive host goes because it's um, it's applicable across the board. Right. And I would say it's more prevalent in the residential sector, the single family dwellings and multi-unit dwellings. Um, it's a really, really great building standard to use for those applications. Right. And, you know, I, I think what's, what we're finding, if I can speak to just, um, you know, the information that I got from your uh, the guest blog that you shared with us is, mm-hmm. you know, I think the ad, the last 18 months has really given everybody an op- We're spending more time at home, right? Yes. And some of us live in older homes and I don't know about you, but gosh, I can feel the draft come right through my house at some point in time. And I'm sure that's not very good for my energy efficiency for sure. That's but right. the newer homes are definitely very different, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole different set of standards. So Tell us a little bit about, because I'm sure that the building code that you have in Atlantic Canada, it changes by province to a certain extent. And I know that there's also a national building code to try to tie everybody together. So mm-hmm. how did you actually become interested in this whole dynamic of Passive House? Because one of the things that you're focusing on is sustainable climate change and making mm-hmm. a difference. So how can That's I, right. as an individual homeowner, make a difference? Yeah. So I got involved with this. um, I'm going to take it back to when I was working in window manufacturing. And so that uh, early 2000s in Nova Scotia, there was uh, a push to have slightly more stringent uh, energy codes for the residential sector, Um, single family dwellings, multi-unit residential. And so I was involved in, in helping get our products to that performance level and making sure they're certified and we can continue to sell the product at that point. Uh, So it, it, kind of sparked an interest for me. I'm like, okay, building codes are changing our buildings. So I did research. I'm like, okay, this is a huge load on our energy demand as a society as a whole. Uh, We can do things differently. And that's just, it started and it snowballed. And as I researched more and more, I found out about the Passive House standard. I got interested in it and I decided to get training and certified to, to be a Passive House designer to help kind of push push the uh, efforts push forward. Push the envelope, yeah. And push the o- sure. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And what's really cool is it's focused on the envelope. So that's... Yeah, good choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that you mention in your bio is the reason why you started Tate Engineering was because you were looking for a little more work-life balance. And yeah. I know that everybody, you know, that's if there's a buzzword amongst the entrepreneurial community, it's how do, how do we do that? How do we make, how do we juggle all of those balls? And as a woman yeah. in business, I know that you also have a family. Yes. So, you know, you've got a company that you're running, you've got a house that you're trying to run, you have family that you're trying to support. So for you, what does that mean? How did Tate Engineering fulfill that need for you? Well, it enabled me to do meaningful work on my own terms, which is really important to me and my uh, my personal mental health. Um, and it allowed me the flexibility to integrate it into how my life actually operates. Right. Right. Yeah. So you know, it, I don't have I don't always have traditional business hours. Right. Right. So. Right. Absolutely. And do you operate at Tate Engineering from your home or did you have an, an, an exterior office at one point in time? Right. Well, I started in the basement, like an <laughs> entrepreneur does. Like lots of entrepreneurs do, right? That's right. Yeah. For um, sure. And then eventually we, we put an addition on the house and that became the office. And as we grew, we decided, yeah, okay, now we need more space. Right. So it was in March of 2020, we moved into our first commercial leased space and two weeks after moving in we moved everybody out (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um and you know 
everybody at that point in time had a huge amount of uncertainty. Sure. Um, we didn't realize how much it would positively impact our business. The construction sector has done very well during, mm -hmm. during pandemic periods. So we're pleased mm -hmm. with that. Um, and our landlord was also occupying part of the building and his business grew. So we wow. made an arrangement. We got out of our lease, we purchased a property, and now we have our, our own office in uh, Fall River Village. Wow, now that's very exciting because that's a real positive spin on, yeah. you know, some of the challenges that everyone's been experiencing. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about purchasing a property. Did you have to build the office or was it a structure that was already there and you just retrofitted it to, to suit your needs? We didn't even have to retrofit. We really lucked out on this one. <laughs> Um, so like we, we've been looking around for an office space for a long time, even before we leased the space. And it was something we always knew we wanted to own versus renting. It's right. uh, just a personal preference. Okay. And uh, so we'd done our due diligence. We searched around and we actually looked at a handful of different properties. Um, we looked at this one, we left it, and we came back to it. It was uh, just a single family dwelling built in the 80s um, and in back in 2010 the owners of it they completely renovated and, and upgraded everything it's uh it's in great condition they use the upstairs is a yoga yoga studio and wow. downstairs was a studio apartment that they rented so beautiful yeah. open space um space for staff to have you know lunch room and and things like that so it's it worked out really well like we didn't Fantastic. even have to we didn't do anything we just moved our furniture in isn't that fantastic? Now, tell us a little bit about being um, a support network for your team, mm -hmm. because I know as well, you know, part of being uh, an entrepreneur is obviously keeping the machine running, as I say. Yeah. Um, but then you also have to ensure that you are there to support the team in which you, you are, are making their contrib positive contributions to you and mm -hmm. your business. So tell us how you've been able to, uh, during these challenging times, when you moved folks out of your office and perhaps now you're starting to transition back into the office, how has that been, a, uh, how has your role as the leader of that team changed? It's changed a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, the way I wanted my business to operate and run was to provide staff flexibility to work both in the office and remote. The way our business is, we have a lot of people who work outside the office on a regular basis anyway. They have to be on construction sites. They're out doing energy audits. So there's a lot of flux within our organization anyway. Um, mm -hmm. It was really important to me as, as a working mother to be able to provide that option to other parents. Um, so we've always been set up for that. The thing that changed the most is the frequency and the format with which we met everybody. So the first thing we did was establish weekly check-ins where the entire team would log on to Teams and we'd, we'd just, you know, have a check-in. How are you feeling today? Right. Does anybody want to talk about anything? Um, we transitioned back into the office um, fairly early on compared to others here in Nova Scotia. We've been doing great in terms of case counts. and. Um, because we have that flexibility with our working team, we could keep our numbers in the office to a minimum and give people options to get out of the house when they needed to get out of the house because we knew that was important for a lot of people. We have a few yeah. staff who were uh, single and they didn't have that regular contact. So to be able to come in with one other person in the office and interact was of real value to them. So yeah, sure. it was really recognizing what individual needs were. Mm -hmm. And trying to uh, trying to accommodate that. as much as we could. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Now, one of the things that you mentioned um, was mental health and the fact that, you know, being an entrepreneur, sometimes we're spread a little bit too thin. Mm -hmm. So tell us how you've been able to with the the various, you know, wonderful things that have happened in your business in the last sort of year and a half. How has that contributed? And how do you monitor your own mental health? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely much more in tune with it than I was prior to the pandemic. Right. Um, so I can re- I can uh, adjust and make corrections more quickly than I used to be able to. Um, I, f- I focus on setting priorities on a daily basis, and right. that helps me feel accomplishments on a regular basis, right. uh, which is really important, I think, for people. Yes, and um, taking time in my calendar and making sure I make time for myself is is critical. You know, that's a really good point, because I think that, you know, um, for those of us who are still working from a home office, you know, Mm -hmm. it blurs the lines a little bit, you know, when you, you know, you get up at six in the morning, where you may have a regular routine before you got to the office at nine, and then you sort of started your day. But sometimes, you know, when we get out of bed in the morning, and it's six or seven in the morning, the first thing we do is grab the the laptop to to see what's happening at the office. So that's Mm -hmm. a really good point. Have you been able to um, educate or inspire your own team to try to adopt some of those same things. You mentioned you have some folks who obviously have children and some who are single. So has that been something you've been able to assist your team with? Well, we have regular conversations with those who, um, yeah, I've had a few staff come with me, come to me over the course of the past year talking about different things like time management and just balancing mm-hmm. things out and, um, mm-hmm just having open conversations and sharing with them the things that work for me, um, asking questions about, you know, you know, what is your situation like? And as I said, finding out what the individual needs are and seeing how we can support it. Well, I mean, it really sounds like the, the thing that's been the key for you is having the, having those open dialogues and Mm -hmm. sort of, it's different, it's a different open door policy when you're doing it virtual, right? It really is. Yes. uh, Because you're not, uh, you're not face to face. You don't see each other all the time. So it can be uh, easy to forget that somebody is there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's important for leaders to have that regular communication and tapping into the staff and saying, I'm here if you need anything, but not in an annoying kind of way. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Because we all have work to do, right? That's right. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we could just segue a little bit. I know that you're part of a virtual board. So we were Mm -hmm. kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, um, the open door policy is different when you do it virtual. And obviously, a virtual advisory board has Mm -hmm. got to be a little bit different than a face to face meeting. So tell us a little bit about how Grow Your Biz and the connections that you've made through those other individuals has perhaps helped your business push the envelope forward. Right. Um, Grow Your Biz has been incredible for me personally and for my business. Um, having a sounding board uh, is it's so, it's critical. Um, mm-hmm. You do often feel lonely in the position as an entrepreneur, even if you have a business partner, uh, because you're both really, you're running all the time mm-hmm. and you don't always have time to step back and, and have those deep conversations that you need to. Uh, and I also like the diversity that comes from the board. Um, Mm -hmm. These women are all in different sectors. They all have very different points of views, very different backgrounds, and just being able to open up and and absorb, you know, what has worked for other people and think about it in my own context and make adaptions has been really, really valuable. Mm 
You know, I think that we forget as an entrepreneur that, you know, we always think, oh, my business is too small. Advisory boards are for those big conglomerates, you know, who and they're paid positions. They invite people from the community to come in. So I really love the business model um, that's been adopted by Grow Your Biz, because to Mm -hmm. your point, it gives you insight from people from other industries, which really can be invaluable to your own business. Yeah, definitely. So give me an example of something that you have taken forward, say uh, a challenge perhaps that you took forward to your board and you were looking for advice. And so just to give our viewing and listening audience an idea of the types of things that you discuss, because clearly it's a very confidential, safe space. Mm -hmm. So, or perhaps an example of one of the other people on the board that may have brought something forward for looking for advice or for opinions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, from... One of the things that uh, I remember bringing forward before was um, related to employee engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, So with an organization that's growing quickly, you hire a lot of people, um, then you have to get them working as a team. And Mm -hmm. how quickly can you get them working as a team? What are some of the things that you have to be considering? You know, like, and it's, it's good because they could give different perspectives on personality types and how they interact and Mm -hmm. their experiences either with their own clients or with their own employees or past experiences themselves in, in different roles. And just having that information and realizing that every team is going to gel and, molded a at a different at a different rate and in right. a different way right. um it, it's helpful to kind of ease your mind knowing that yeah okay I, I'm, I'm taking the right steps i should be considering this which i didn't consider so let's add that into the mix right. and uh, yeah so would you say that the advisory board can also be a sign of mentorship because mm-hmm. i know that uh, i'm sure you've had some wonderful mentors in, throughout your career because yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about the person that you feel would be most influential has been most influential for you oh wow <laughs> <laughs> that's a loaded question isn't it <laughs> that really is like I, I i honestly can't say i could pinpoint one, one. person because there have been so, so many positive influences in, in my life yeah. um and, you know, maybe there's a different for a different person for each aspect that I've gone for mentorship, so because that's so true. Yeah, it, it really is. It's um, depending on the age and stage that we are in business, right? Because when definitely. we first started out as when you started out in your basement, your needs were significantly different than now yes. that you own your own property, right? So yes. I mean, just who you may look to. So how mm-hmm. does one who's a successful entrepreneur find a mentor? Maybe you can tell us the, the process or the approach that you took um, when you approached your last mentor in terms of asking for their help? Um, it's kind of like dating. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it is kind of like dating. <laughs> it is kind of like dating. So the first thing I did was uh, I figured out, okay, so who is out there? Mm-hmm. Who's out there? Yeah, finding um, that person. Who's doing what I'm doing, who's got a good bit of experience in it, they're re- they're well-respected, um, they've been successful, all right, let's hunt them down, and then call them. I Isn't that the cold, truth? Cold call. picking up the phone and calling, right? Absolutely, because um, what you're, you're f- trying to find a fit, somebody who, right. who wants to do the mentorship and who you can, you can relate to on some level, and then... You build that, you build that relationship together. And so that's what I did. I made the cold call and then we had a meeting and we started to work together and um, 
that's really the, that best, the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I always say sometimes we forget that all we have to do is ask to get yes. yes. You know, we're always so apprehensive sometimes feeling that, you know, uh, we're a little bit uh, shy uh, to mm-hmm. ask for help because we don't want to assume or for people to think that we're, there's a weakness in our own business. Um, That's right. There's a hesitation too. It, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's a hesitation sure. too by the person seeking a mentor because right. mentors tend to be successful people. Um, mm-hmm. They tend to have a lot on their plate. And so a hesitation can be, well, do I really want to bother them with this? Do they want to add that to it? And my response would be, it doesn't hurt to ask because also a lot of us want to be able to give back. Very true. Very true. So to that point, have you ever had anyone in your circle or in your community that's approached you to be a mentor? I've had a couple mentorship opportunities over the years. Uh, most recently was is a young engineer who worked with us for about six months, uh, decided the industry was not for her and has shifted industries. And she's asked me then to be her mentor. So isn't that fantastic? Really mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's really something, you know, I, I love your comment about, you know, we all want to give back. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you've gone through the struggles and you've built a successful business and then you get to a certain point, you want to be able to give something back to that yeah. community of people. So one of the things that we ask folks to do in our guest blog is to provide some words of advice. Mm -hmm. And you actually provided us with three different phrases. So I'm going to actually ask you to comment on two of those phrases, if you don't mind. And the first one is know your weaknesses. So Mm -hmm. how does that actually fit into your business plan, your plans for the future, and Mm -hmm. perhaps helping other folks? Right. Um, I see knowing your weaknesses as critical because as you're, when you start out, it's just typically one, maybe two people. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, you've got a group of four mm-hmm. um, and you're, you know, you've got different skill sets. Starting out as one person, I'm, I was an engineer. I knew nothing about finance, sales, marketing, nothing. Right. So I had to figure out which areas do I need to brush up my skills on and then go get those skill sets. Then as your business evolves, you really need to know because that's how you build your team. Right. You don't hire people who are just like you, (laughs) just like you, because there's no diversity. There's, you know, you're not filling the gaps in your skill sets. So it's, it's really important to know your weaknesses from that point of view. And then just in life and personal improvement, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't have to fix everything you're weak on because you can fill those gaps with the resources human resources sure. in your organization sure. but as a person there are if, if you don't know where you're falling short in terms of just critical soft skills essential to be a leader right you're not going to improve and you're not going to be able to get your team to improve and, and further develop and you know you've made a good point because i think then it leads to collaboration in the community right so say Absolutely. i'm the marketing guru in your area and you happen to you know meet me through uh, a networking or a personal introduction, you can mm-hmm. always collaborate with like-minded individuals, but who have a different area of expertise. So Definitely. that's a really valid point. Mm-hmm. Now, your second um, phrase that you used is stick to your values. And this, mm-hmm. I think, is very relevant, not only for those of us who are transitioning in and out of change, but I think when we're future planning. So tell us mm-hmm. what's, what sticking to your values means to you. Yeah. Um, 
it's important to guide you on your journey. So we have the journey of life is complicated. There are so many choices along the way. Mm-hmm. And if you can develop a strong value stream, something that you believe in, it's unique to you, mm-hmm. but it guides every decision that you make, every single decision. And just going back to that every time you have to make up your mind on something, is this aligned with like who I am? Because your values mm-hmm. are you at the core, right. truly. So true. And if you know your values, you're incredibly, um, you're more likely to meet other people who have that shared value stream because you're, you're emitting that energy. Well, for sure. Likes attract likes, right? That's right. That's right. And it's really important to have that shared value set with the people that you're working with on a daily basis. Not to say that 100% of those values are shared, but the majority of them are. And then you know, you're working towards the same goals and objectives. Right. Very, very good point. So what's in the future for Roxanne? So you've been, it sounds mm-hmm. like going at warp speed and you've had some yeah. really awesome things happen um, in the last few years that have really mm-hmm. propelled your business forward. So we yeah. all look at future planning. So just give us a quick snapshot into what's into the future for you and your business. Yeah. So we're looking out, uh, we have a 10 year plan. Uh, we're breaking it down to, uh, you know, the five-year, three-year, <laughs> yeah, sure. and it's uh, it's our objective to be a uh, design builder of high-performance buildings here in Atlantic Canada. Um, we feel there's going to be a huge need for this in the future, mm-hmm. and um, you know that that's our primary focus right now. So we have no intent to slow down. We mm-hmm. want to build a, a business that's. Um, possibly be taken over by the employees at some point in time Uh, if none are interested then you know we'll find a way to uh to continue on or to wrap up but we just we want to we want to build something that is um part of our community Mm -hmm. if you will yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that's a really wonderful way to wrap up our conversation, Roxanne, because, you know, you've really shared with us the explosive energy that you've had to emit um, mm-hmm. during the, the last sort of few years of growth and development. And you've given people a little bit of insight into where you see your company going in the future. And mm-hmm. I think the succession planning that you've also put into that 10-year plan is really a very relevant thing for other entrepreneurs to hear. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. And to those of you who have joined us in our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us today as we've introduced you to the person behind the logo. And in collaboration with Grow Your Biz, if you're interested in hearing more about the peer-to-peer advisory boards, please join them on their website. And we thank you so much for joining us today.